Hello, everybody. How are you doing? We're all doing the same, roughly. Well, I hope you're being safe. This is Ray Harkins. You're listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast forever present in your life. I mean, we're talking about 400 some odd episodes, so it feels like I am forever present in your life. So we're talking to people who are involved in independent music, whether that's mean creating it, whether that means putting it out, whether that means documenting it in whatever capacity, that is what I care about. And that is what you care about because you listen to this on a week to week basis, or, you know, maybe you just check in once a month, whatever it is. Welcome. Today's guest is Matt Honeycutt, and he plays in the band Kublacon, Texas who is a basic, just super, super heavy hardcore band. And uh, I speak about this at the very beginning of the interview, but I just wrote the band off. For a long time, I just thought they were kind of a, you know, silly sort of, you know, thug-adjacent hardcore band. And uh, I couldn't be more wrong. Once I started to listen to them a little bit more, especially uh, their most recent full length, uh, it was just one of those things where they there was more than meets the eye and i got to know matt a lot during this conversation and just a incredibly intelligent dude and this band is uh, maybe more than meets the initial eye so i highly encourage you even if you only have maybe a you know very passing awareness of the band listen to this conversation It'll educate you in ways that it educated me and uh, made me more um, receptive to the band at large, which, uh, you know, I like. I like having my preconceived notions smashed, and that's exactly what Matt did. And he was a great, just a southern drawl conversation. I'm not even going to try to mimic it, but uh, Matt was a great chat. So let's, uh, let's talk about you. How are you? Like, we are in, you know, week, whatever, 47 of quarantine. Um, I know that many people's worlds are, you know, I wouldn't say returning to normal, but they are definitely, you know, opening up where you're allowed to do more things. I mean, here in Southern California, um, there definitely seems to be an air of, uh, you know, people maybe, uh, you know, kind of ignoring certain rules and practices. And it's, uh, you know, it's disheartening on one hand because you're like, what are you doing? Like, we all need to kind of, you know, be in this collective sort of stay at home thing together until we have some sort of idea how far this is spread, how the testing is and all this other stuff. I'm not going to get political on here, but, um, you know, and then on the other hand, like you get it because people are social creatures and they can't be isolated for this long. But at the same time, I just, I always look back at the idea that you just can't be selfish during this time. Like you really have to, you know, do things like you can do things within reason, you know, like maybe you can go visit a friend and, you know, you both can be socially distanced and, uh, you know, wearing masks and stuff like that. But, you know, do you need to go hang out at the beach with thousands of other people? Probably not. And I wish that more people kind of, uh, you know, heeded the, uh, now I was, I was about to call the government because, but the government hasn't really <laughs> done very much throughout this pandemic. Um, you know, heed the scientists and doctors and everybody who is, uh, sharing as much information as possible. So yeah, just be safe out there. That's ultimately what I'm trying to tell you. So Here's the conversation with Matt, and of course, at the very end of the episode, I will always talk to you about uh, the following get or the guest the following week. And you can always email the show 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. And I've gotten a lot of feedback recently in regards to you know how to support the show. And there's a few ways you can do that. One, you can obviously share this episode. 
it would be great for you to, you know, tag the guests, you know, tag the show, tag myself, whatever it is, as you're sharing it on social media. Um, you know, I really, that, that's the best way to get word out about this show. Um, and then you can also, you know, rate and review the podcast on whatever podcast catcher you're using, whether it's Apple podcasts, um, you know, Stitcher, whatever the case may be, just, just, just do that. You know, that would be helpful. And, um, yeah, those, those, those are the best two ways. You know, that's how you can support the show. Um, you know, I don't look for donations. You know, I, I definitely have advertisements in here. Um, but, uh, you know, this thing just keeps trucking along. And I'm going to continue this journey in documenting independent music for quite some time, you know, until it becomes no longer uh, feasible for me to do so. But, you know, here I am 400 some odd episodes later and we're still doing it. So anyways, here's Matt and I will talk to you after the episode is over. <laughs> I will completely admit that I wrote your band off for a very long time. I just thought you were some sort of typical mosh beatdown band with no, um, you know, real kind of substance per se. Uh, and you know, this is yeah, that's what most people did, to be honest. I, no, and I, <clears throat> I was going to say that it was like. It, you know, it wasn't until honestly, I think it was uh, your I mean, the most recent record was definitely the one that like really sprung up. But, you know, I, I always have to, you know, give respect to bands like yourselves who are, you know, you, you guys have been obviously working for a long time. And so, you know, I get that. But I don't know. It just really kind of uh, sprung to me on this this last LP where I was like, oh, no, like there's clearly more substance behind this. Um, but I'm, I'm going to guess based on your response right there <laughs> that, uh, that happens, uh, I guess a lot for you guys where people just kind of write you off as a very sort of, uh, stereotypical mosh band with, uh, not very much substance behind it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Our, our whole band's lifespan has pretty much been an uphill battle trying to get people to pay attention. I mean, it's one of those things like, uh, for instance, a good example is we, we just, the last tour we just got off of, which we that was probably less than a week ago, we just got off tour with Terror. And it was kind of one of those same things. I feel like a lot of the people that were, you know, Terror fans and stuff like that that were coming out, the probably just were like, oh, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? They, until you actually sit down and watch us and give us a real good chance or sit down and give us a good listen, you know, it's, it's real easy to hear a band's name X amount of times and just you don't even have to hear them. Sometimes people just make up what they think the band sounds like and then that's what they just, that's just fact. You know what I mean? Absolutely. For and, sure. uh, so, you know, even with that, like it was, it was a pretty eye opening experience, you know, seeing a bunch of like, you know, like old head, like terror dudes being like, man, you guys are actually really good. Like, that was cool. Like I enjoyed that. You know what I mean? And it's kind of just like, yeah, man, like you, you know, I'm the same way. I'm very close minded when it comes to music on a lot of stuff. And I have to catch myself, you know, from doing that because you might miss out on a great opportunity or something that you like. It's kind of like when you used to buy CDs back in the day mm -hmm. and, you buy it for the two tracks that you really liked, but then, you know, a year would go by without you listening to any of the other tracks. Then you'd listen to track nine and you're like, man, track nine's fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why am I not giving this whole thing a chance? But I think it kind of just goes that way with bands as well. And our, our, our band, especially for how long we've been around, is definitely a good example of uh, kind of just, you know, snap judgment a lot. But it, it's never affected us. We don't care either way. We're just going to do what we keep doing. And if people are on board, cool. If they're not, you know, give it a chance or don't. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's not like you, 
um, can affect those people that, you know, kind of just simply don't put any either research or time into what the band is or what the band's about or, you know, all those things that, you know, make you more endeared toward a band. But yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's very easy to, um, you know, look at a certain band, look at the way they look and just kind of be like, Oh, that's, that's not for me. I'm not going to check them out. Exactly. Yeah. And especially with the time that we live in now where it's just everything being so instant, you know, if you, you don't like something within the first 30 seconds, you can go find something else that, you know, there you'll have a hundred other options and stuff that, that can catch your eye. So it is a little bit harder even in general, just to keep people's attention to, snag people's attention i think that kind of creates a strange vacuum of you know shock and just weird stuff that people try to do to kind of expose their band a little bit more in the muck and it's just like it's it creates a really weird environment for everybody i think and that's why you know our band i like to believe is an example of a band that just kind of kept our heads down for the last decade and just did it the way we wanted to do it even if it was the slow way or the not so you know, gratifying instantly kind of way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm kind of going off on a tangent. No, 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 no. Well, that, well, hey, welcome to podcasting, my friend. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I, I think, and I think it's easy to, um, just kind of, you know, whatever being very generically speaking, looking at you guys and saying, it's like, oh yeah, here's, you know, some mosh band from Texas and, you know, got the, got the Southern drawl accent and like, they're probably just, you know, dumb, dumb heads and, you know, moshing or whatever. And so, you know, that adds another layer of people kind of, you know, judging who you are before um actually you know getting to know the art that you are creating oh yeah i mean it's like you said too even just being from texas like usually whenever you know people ask like oh where's your band from yada yada it's like they it's going to go one of two ways you never hear people be like oh you know we tell them we're from texas and they're like oh uh, well, that's neat it's either like oh that's awesome or just like for real you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's real, it's real hit or miss, especially depending on certain parts of the country, which is crazy because the markets that we do the best are like, you know, the coast. Like we do really well in California. We do really well in, you know, New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, like a lot of places that are just the complete polar opposite for the most part of Texas. But that's where I feel like even what we do, our sound and just the way that we carry ourselves is a little bit more exotic in those places then it would be so close to home. You know what I mean? Cause you can walk into Walmart and see anybody that's just like us as opposed to kind of being like a traveling sideshow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. And, and especially too, with the fact that, um, you know, I, I think through the fact that you have, like you said, done your own thing for the past 10 years and, you know, people undoubtedly have seen your name on flyers and have seen the kind of work you've put in, whether or not they're paying attention to it, just seeing your name out there and, you know, at a certain point, they people need to reckon with the fact that it's like, oh, no, like, this is a serious thing. This isn't just like, you know, passing by or like, you know, like you said, going on tour with terror and getting in front of people who may have just like you said, you know, kind of written you off. And then being having to reckon with that makes people, um, you know, hopefully understand where you're coming from a little bit more than just, you know, simply passing it by. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we all we all love that kind of stuff. We'll We've taken a lot of tours that were, you know, I guess like a leap of faith. Like if you want to put it, like we, we toured a census sale all the way to terror. Those are pretty, you know, I guess if you want to say far ends of the spectrum of stuff we've done, you know, both of which pulled completely different crowds, 
a completely different reaction. And, but the only thing that remained constant in the whole situation was us. Like we never faltered with what we were doing. We've never changed our appearance or our sound or our presence to kind of adhere to a different group. Like I feel that's the weakest thing you can do. And that, that will get people to write you off faster than anything is kind of, you know, an imbalancing character, you know? No, it's a very, and, that's a very good point. Cause I mean, you could do the, you know, the, the most that I see bands that are, you know, actually credible, uh, you know, having to, uh, modify their set lists where it's like, okay, you know, this, this crowd is, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we shouldn't play our heaviest thing, you know, thing all the time. And, you know, you can do that. And obviously you're still being authentic to who you are because, you know, you're playing your songs regardless, but yeah, you know, if you, if you got up there in, uh, you know, uh, Adidas jumpsuits for, uh, you know, terror. And then, you know, like, uh, suits and ties for <laughs> census fail. Then people would be like, what the hell is this band? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, and I would want, I would have to question that myself. Like, what the hell are we at that point? You know what I mean? And it's, 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 you know, it's just kind of, uh, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily bashing on bands that, cause we know plenty of them that they'll, they'll, you know, turn a different way, any room they're in, but it's just kind of, what you choose to do at that point. And it's, it's definitely a slower crawl in my opinion to kind of just, I guess, do it like the old fashioned way and just play your fucking music and keep your head down and don't be a showboat about shit. You know what I mean? But absolutely. Yeah. You just, you, hopefully that makes sense. No, it does because you are, um, you know, you're, you're presenting your most authentic self and the most, the, the way that you have, um, you know, especially as you, grow older within the context of playing your music, you know, you hopefully become better and smarter and, you know, you can realize that like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, um, you know, tuning in between every song, like that's punishing for the crowd. So like, maybe we won't do that. You know, you, you modify that, but that is not, that's a different story than, you know, you being like, Oh yeah, well I'm going to shave my head for this tour and then I'm going to grow my hair out for this one or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a weird vibe. No, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really just a, a personal preference, but I feel like the, the more that time goes on, the more that, you know, and I think it goes in cycles for sure. The more that people wake up to kind of just the ridiculousness of what, what goes on, but then also, you know, the ridiculousness is what keeps the train moving because, you know, that's, that's what keeps things interesting. So it's, you just, there's a balance in it. You know what I mean? And it, you can't bash one without kind of secretly needing the other, if that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's a, because I think if, you know, everyone was traveling sort of in the same lane, you wouldn't really have anything to kind of, uh, you know, rebel against, you know, where it's like you see, uh, someone doing something some way and you're like, well, you know, that's their way. And that is for sure not what we want to do or whatever, <laughs> you know, we want to model everything sort of against that. And in the same way that they, you know, that those bands or whoever's creating that art is looking at the way that, you know, bands like yourself are doing it or just like, dude, what do you mean? Like 10 years in a van, we want to do a year in a van and then, you know, or whatever. Like it's just, there's, you got to have yeah, something yeah, to push exactly. against. Yeah. Um, now kind of, you know, putting the focus more solely on, on you as a person. Yeah. You know, I know that, you were born and raised in Sherman, Texas, correct? Because that's basically where the band says they're from, right? Yeah, I was born in Indiana, but I moved at about the age of three. So I pretty much from when I came online to being able to remember shit, it was in Texas. Yeah, I just, yeah. Dude, I love funny because there's bumper stickers you'll see on people's cars in Texas and stuff that 
the, the bumper stickers always say like I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as fast as I could. And that's kind of my motto with that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love how you phrased it. When I came online, I've literally never heard anybody use that in relation to like them being conscious of their, their own human beingness. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. No, I like that. It's like, yeah. Cause I mean, you know, before that you're, whatever, before the age of three or four, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't remember much. Like you remember these stories. that people Yeah. Tell I know you. stuff happened, but I can't ever recollect. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But, and, and I have never seen that bumper sticker of, <laughs> I wasn't born in Texas, but I rushed out here as soon as I could. That's funny. Well, if I ever see one at a store, I'll, I'll get it and then I'll track down your address and I'll mail it to you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously everyone knows the, you know, don't mess with Texas and the fact that, you know, Texas is basically its own sovereign land in comparison to the rest of the United States. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I could see, <laughs> I could easily see that statement being, uh, you know, uh, waved down to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a lot of pride going on, but. Right, right. And so uh, when you were, you know, coming up like you and I know that you've spoken about this in the past in regards to, uh, you know, your your father wasn't really president in your life. And, you know, you came from your, uh, you know, your mom basically doing all of the raising. Um, do you I guess did you ever have contact with your dad? Do you have contact with your dad now or is he basically just completely out of the picture? Uh, no, I've never really had contact with him. I never really even sought it out, to be honest with you. It's one of those things, like, I feel like it's like this for a lot of kids, too. Like, it hits you a lot harder when you're younger because the world is still so new to you and your your social circles are so small. You know, your parents kind of are your world. You, you haven't you haven't stepped out to really see anybody else. And it's kind of one of those things, too, even with making friends. You know what I mean? You, you, you When you can pick and choose who you really want to put in your life, you start to kind of – I don't want to necessarily drop the value – of certain people in your life, but you kind of realize like, man, well, I don't really need that shit. You know, I got people in my life that are good to me and care about me and stuff like that. So I probably about when I hit my teenage years, I kind of just, you know, it still was something that I would think about and there was constant kind of reminders and stuff. But as every year would kind of progress on other than the fact of it hurting my mother so much, I really kind of just, I don't really know how to explain it. Like really, kind of tried to focus my energy elsewhere. You know what I mean? Cause you can either let that kind of shit grind you up and turn you into a shit ass person, or you can at least do your best to, to deal with it. I'm not saying necessarily get over it or ever be comfortable with it. Cause there's still a lot of discomfort. There's still a lot of, you know, uh, feelings that, that are never going to have any sort of closure, but that's just, that's just life. And the sooner that you can really kind of, get in control of that and try to get in control of your own feelings about it. The, the closer you are to liberation, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, never, never really had any contact with him. Haven't really thought about it in probably a decade as far as like, Oh man, I should maybe reach out just cause it's one of those things. Like, I don't know. My life is not necessarily what I wanted it to be, but it's at the same time, everything I could have hoped it could be. So it's like, if it ain't, if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so, <clears throat> to your I don't po- know. I don't really stress it too much. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand it because to your point, you know, you are making you were making the conscious decision to not, like you said, be you know weighed down by that because that was you know uh, his decision or obviously other parents' decisions. Uh, you know, when it, it's either through you know divorce or the fact that you know th- this person cannot maintain responsibility for this child or whatever the case may be, that is a choice. So it's like you are 
taking control of that narrative within your life and your head and moving on with it rather than being like, well, I can't change this person's mind. So, you know, what, what, what can I do about it? Exactly. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people that have been listening to our records over the years. Cause I have, I have about two songs that are related to that kind of theme and they'd be like, well, then what the hell, man, why are you writing songs about it and whatnot? But it's like, it's one of those things. Like if you listen to the tracks and you listen to what I'm saying, that's, Everything I've just said is what I'm saying. It's not me being like, oh, crap, my life sucked. My daddy wasn't there. You know what I mean? It's 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 talking about turning that energy into something that you can use as a weapon against the world in a positive way as opposed to just like nobody wants to hang out with a dude that's just pissy all the time about some shit that, that he can't change. You know what I mean? It, you, you, sooner or later, you gotta you got to get shit under control. You know what I mean? Just for the sake of being a normal enough human being to mm-hmm. be around, you know, because I know plenty of people that they they just harbor shit. They can't let shit go. And I, I'm I'm like that in a lot of ways. There's a lot of shit in my life that, you know, it's a daily struggle to not get fucking infuriated. But you got to try. And I feel like at least through the music, that helped me try. And there's plenty of other people that listen to that that may be in the same situation or a similar one that have felt that same way. And if it gives them even a tiny bit of motivation, you know, cool. Like that's, that's good enough for me. I didn't really write it to be viewed as like anything other than just what I felt. There was no motive. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if it does help, cool. Totally. Well, yeah, it's like, I mean, I think anytime you're putting out art out into the world, uh, you know, clearly it's not yours anymore. You're expressing, you know, your feelings, your emotions, you know, your musicality, and then you put it out there. And however that affects people um, is a byproduct of that. And, you know, if you affect a person in a positive way, you're just like, oh, oh, that's incredible. Like, you know, I, I didn't anticipate that. And that wasn't my manifesto. But, uh, you know, this is incredible. And I'm so glad because, you know, your music and your art is affecting people in the same way that music and art affected you. Exactly. And I mean, that's, that's the beautiful thing about it is, is, is so much of it is accidental too. You know, everybody wants to think, oh yeah, this is all so intentional. And it's just, it's really not. I mean, think about how many songs you've heard randomly or things that have been told to you in passing that stuck with you for your whole life or things that could have changed your perspective in a matter of minutes. You know what I mean? That, that were just by happenstance and it's stuff like that, you know, and there's, it makes me think there's, there's been several people over the years that, have brought their mothers in junk to shows because they're, you know, they, their moms will be like, Oh, what do you, what do you listen to? Yada, yada. Like, let me hear what you're, what you're, what you're listening to or whatnot. And sometimes they'd show them like our stuff and the stuff related to, you know, the struggles of single mothers and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, this is some 40 something year old woman that probably listens to Bon Jovi and she's coming to one of our shows because there was, you know, a random event that made her feel compelled to, join in what was going on you know and i we welcome that kind of stuff we're not ever like oh shit yeah i got another one you know what i mean it's just yeah. like, <laughs> right, it just right. kind of is what it is because at the end of the day all this is going to end all you really have is the memories that you make and the relationships that you build so i mean if you're really not putting your success and your merit into those i feel like you're kind of funneling them into the the wrong uh bucket which you know a lot of people would disagree with me on that because that's that's one reason that it's taken our band so long to get where we are is we're not focused so much on, you know, getting likes or getting money or getting other stuff. And, you know, don't get me wrong, getting paid out been nice, you know, finally being able to pay bills with some of this shit after doing it for so fucking long is pretty cool. Right. But it, it, that's never been the driving force. 
you know, it's always just been about, man, like, you know, you got one opportunity to do this, to push it as far as you possibly can to make as many memories as you can. Cause someday, you know, I could be old. I could be in an assisted living home. I could have blown it and never had a family. I could have nobody in my life. Nobody cares about me when I have my funeral. Nobody shows up, but at least I have those memories. You know what I mean? Rockabilia.com is your partner throughout this weird, weird time that we are all living in where live music has basically gone away, but you can support your favorite bands by ordering through rockabilia.com. So first off, use the code PC100Words that gets you 15% off your order, and that supports the bands because they are all officially licensed pieces of merch through Rockabilia, so you're not getting some horrific bootleg where the band sees no money. You're also supporting a small business based out of the Midwest that is uh, independently run and operated. They are just the real deal, and I love them so much. So use the code PC100Words. You can buy so much rad stuff from all of your favorite bands. You can get ready for summer, get some awesome tank tops. Um, I could, I can probably guarantee, I actually have not searched this out, but you can probably find some swim trunks on there. Um, you know, I don't think that they sell kiddie pools on rockabilia.com, but uh, you'll probably be able to find some other rad summer stuff for you to dive into. So please support Rockabilia. Please support independent music. And uh, in turn, you're also supporting the show as well. So PC100Words is the code and rockabilia.com is the site. Thank you very much, Rockabilia. Hearing, you know, you speak in um, the way that you are, you know, frankly, you're very eloquent and I appreciate that about you and you're thoughtful. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> it, it, that doesn't um, necessarily kind of uh, typify what, again, you know, what, what people sort of like, you know, in Texas, in the South, the style of music you play, um, you know, that's not it's not always synonymous with one another. Um, and I'm sure that gets kind of reflected back on you where it's just like, Oh, like Matt, you're actually smart. Or like, you know, I mean, I I'm, I'm being, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm exaggerating here, but, um, you know, do you find people kind of having that sort of reaction uh, as well? Maybe it's not directly to your face, but I'm sure you maybe anecdotally heard things. Oh yeah. I, I got a story for you. There's, uh, some, some buddies that we had that, that weren't from around where we're from and we were on tour with them and they're, they're some of our best friends. You know what I mean? Love those guys. We go to bat for them any day, but they, we all have different accents. You know what I'm saying? And it was funny because over the course of a few days, they'd we'd all be talking or talking about bullshit or this and that. And one of them would do like a his his dumb guy impression, like and it, it was my accent. You know, it was one of those things, and he didn't think about it like that. And you know, finally one day it was me and him when we were talking. I was like, man, I was like, you realize when you do your 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 stupid guy accent that that's that's my accent and i'm not a stupid guy i'm not a smart guy but i'm not a stupid guy you know what i mean yep and it's just people it's 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 very people just aren't so thoughtful sometimes i feel like especially you know you'd be so shocked you know and i'm sure there's people calling bullshit right this very second but there are people in texas in my town that i grew up in that are fucking brilliant but you can barely understand the thing they say. Like it just, it, 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 the accent is one of the main things. I mean, it's the accent and just the, the whole kind of style of it, you know, like we pull up on a tour and I'm wearing cowboy boots and a wife beater, not, you know, the newest Nikes and coolest <laughs> band shirt, you know? And it's like, I kind of get written off immediately. It's just like, who in the fuck is this guy? But it's like, if you come where we live, you'll see, you'll understand that y'all are the one that would stick out. You know what I'm saying? And it's just one of those things, like even with the accent, like 
I can't help this shit. I didn't really even realize I had it till people started telling me. I mean, the house I grew up in as a kid, we had a pot-bellied pig that lived in the fucking backyard. Like, was, we were like, what was his her, what was his, her name? Shit. Yeah, what was his, what was the pig's his, name? His name was Bubba. He was a big black oh, pot-bellied pig. Love it, love it. And he, he, he lived in the backyard, and I mean, he was great. He was cool and stuff like that. And it's just stuff like that where, you know, I'll tell people that, and they'll be like, oh, gosh, you know, what are you talking about? And the fact, like, I used to, to drive around in, like, one of the, like, the three or $400,000 tractors, like, tilling up land and shit like that, like, doing farm work, doing construction, like, doing, like, I guess, like, Texas blue-collar shit, but it's like, you look at a lot of the dudes that are in bands from Texas, we all come from pretty much the same lineage like that. It's a lot of just, you know, fellas that are hanging out in their dad's garage or their uncle's garage, and, you know, Pantera starts playing over the radio, and you're just like, what the hell is that shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then next thing you know, you fucking doing it for a living. <laughs> right. And so you can really... You can pull these people from anywhere. I mean, some of the best bands that I know, if you talk to them, they sound just like me. And people, it's funny because anytime I do interviews or anything like that on on YouTube or any you know podcast, on mostly YouTube because you can read the comments and junk, I guess. But so many people are just like, dude, did not expect them to talk like that. Like, dang. And there's always people in the comments that will come to bat and be like, well, they're from Texas, man. Like, that's just what it is, you know? And it's just like, it's cool because if you can, if you can separate the stereotype from the logic, you can you can get pretty far. You know, I mean, we don't ever go around, you know, with stereotypes in our heads about like, oh well, you know, everybody with New York accents like this. Like, I got so many buddies in New York that, dude, they are fucking like Italian New Yorkers, and I love it, dude. I tell them, I'm like, don't ever lose your fucking accent, dude. Like, that is so unique, and that's what makes this country so amazing is you got so many different people that if they learn to coexist, it's it's the perfect ongoing social experiment in so many ways. And I think that us being able to use our music as a medium and to travel to all these different areas and do this kind of stuff. I mean, shit, when we're over in London, you know, and I'm on stage talking how I am right now, people love that shit, you know, because it's just something different. And it's not it's not forced. It's just like, well, this is just how I am. And that's what people can like about it is the sincerity of just like getting to know somebody from a different place, from a different walk of life. But then whenever shit gets nitty gritty and shit hits the fan and we got a bunch of people in the middle, you know, getting everything hyped up, we're all the same folks. You know what I mean? And you really don't need speech at that point. You can just translate it through the music and good shit, you know? Yeah, no. Hopefully I, that answered the question. Abs- I'm real bad about going off, man. Not, nah, dude. Hey, like I said, welcome to podcasting, my friend. You're you're perfect for it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. The um, so you know, like you mentioned, kind of your your upbringing in regards to you know, like you were doing a lot of you know random sort of you know farm blue collar work and stuff like that. Um, and like you said, you know, your your mom was present. Did you have any brothers or sisters, or are you an only child? No, I never had any. Uh, only child but i mean i the house i grew up in when i was a kid it was it was everybody i mean it was my two uncles my grandma my mom my aunt three of my cousins like six dogs a pig cat like it was it was a full house and it was a four bedroom house yeah so yeah you had a lot there was a lot of folks man yeah you know but it, it was growing up there was a lot of people so I never thought about it as like, oh man, I wish I had a brother or sister. Like I had my cousins, so I was 
yeah, me, that was pretty good, you know? Yeah. Everyone was always around. Yeah. That makes total sense. The, um, and so, you know, what, what kind of kid did you find yourself being as you were, you know, especially as you were getting to like, you know, junior high and high school, like, were you, you know, into sports? Were you, you know, a science kid? Like what, what sort of lane did you find yourself uh, kind of gravitating towards? I really didn't even know. Those were so, those are, you know, kind of mystic times. I I don't know what kind of happened in a lot of that stuff. You know what I mean? I remember a lot of the stuff that I was doing was just trying different shit with my hair. I remember doing that because I just didn't know. I, you know, whenever you're in middle school and you're still that, you're still lanky and you're goofy and you're not attractive and you just, you don't know who you are yet or what you want. And you just, you kind of just don't know where to go with it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, middle school, the thing is, is I loved school. Like I liked going, not for learning. I was, I was horrible. I was always getting horrible grades, but I liked the social aspect of it. I liked going to school because that was where all my homies were at. Like we could just fucking do whatever we wanted. You know what I mean? Totally. So it was, it was, you know, it was good times and stuff like that, but trying to figure out who I was, was pretty tough because I really didn't have a lot of direction. Like, you know, everybody in my household was 40 plus besides my cousins and my older cousin. I mean, she was a product of the nineties. She like her favorite bands were like Hanson and all this other shit. So I, I didn't know, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, I don't want to be that. I want to find my own cool thing, you know? And it, it was crazy. Cause whenever I was in middle school, that's when I started actually listening to music and I was listening to, you know, like black Sabbath and, Led Zeppelin and just you kind of getting on the cusp of like rock music and figuring out what the hell was going on. And then I remember getting into high school in my freshman year. And I was this girl that was in my BCIS class and she was always real nice to me. And we were just talking and shit. And she was like, kind of like an edgy chick. Like she was cool. And so I was kind of like, you know, pretty, pretty excited that she chose me to hang out with and talk to. So we were just talking one day and she asked if I smoked cigarettes. Cause she smoked and stuff. And I was like, no, I don't. And she's like, Oh, are you straight edge or something? And I was like, what the, what is that? <laughs> she's like, you don't know what straight edge is. I was like, no. And she's like, you ever been to a show? And I was like, no. She's like, what are you doing this weekend? And she fucking invited me to my first show. And I remember going and that was like, you know, that, that was where it really kind of clicked for me. I was like, this is some shit that I like this. Cause you know, it's kind of like, it's one of those things that you can't help you. you when you're a little kid, you're like, oh, I'll try karate, I'll try Boy Scouts, I'll try all this shit to kind of figure out what I like. But then, you know, you get exposed to WWF and you're like, that's the shit that I naturally like. <laughs> right. This is what I'm thinking about. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like that. Right. Like, well, she like know, she it, it, she opened you to the like the the cave of wonders. You know, it's just like, oh, hey, here's this. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, here's here's Pandora's box. Like, open it up, and you're like, what is this? Do you do you remember who you saw at your first show? Like from that DIY level. Yeah, the it, it was a bunch of like old like Dallas DFW bands that would come down. We had this venue called the Pit. One of them was called Choke on the Color Olives. And oh, uh, wow, I've never heard of that band. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it, they were, there was it, there was a lot of old bands like that. There was like, I remember seeing like there was a band called uh, Sever the Ties, which uh, I think Sever the Ties went on to become Power Trip later on. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of but, that. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Th- yeah, and there was uh, fucking In the Arms of War. Well, that was the first CD that I ever got from one of those style bands. Okay. 
And I, dude, I still own that CD, and I still it sucks because you can't find it on YouTube. You can't find it anywhere. I just have yeah. a physical copy. Yeah, and it it still bangs, dude. That shit's hard. And like, you know, I went to that show, and it was crazy because that's where I met my my long term high school friends. My best friend that I've ever had in my whole life. He that that isn't where I met him. I knew him before, but me and him started getting close because he saw me at that show. He's like, "Oh, dude, how you been?" Blah blah blah, you know, and then. We started hanging out, and the next thing I know, you know, I'm there when his fucking kids are being born. Like it's, <laughs> it's just crazy how that shit happens, you know, and how how life kind of unfolds. But with that, yeah, I just I had never been exposed to anything like that. Seeing a bunch of people without real like real rules, without really even adults around. Like I mean, you got to remember, I was like 13 at this point. Bunch of fucking just fine-ass women just fucking hanging around a show, like a bunch of brolic-ass dudes, like, throwing people around. I was like, this is insane. Yeah. Like, this is fucking cool. You know what I mean? You're like, can I do this and, every weekend? <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, that's what I started doing. Yeah. And, I mean, it was it was crazy. I remember showing my mom some of the music that, uh, that um, I was, like, listening to and stuff like that, and she you know, being a good mom, she was like, Oh, this is, this is crazy. This is cool. You know? And I was like, yeah, I don't fucking care, but no, thanks for listening. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And it, it's funny. Cause even with that, I, I've, I never had really any of my family members besides one of my cousins, a couple of my cousins, a few times come to a show. But, uh, I remember showing my, my uncle who he, he ended up becoming my adopted dad. That's how I became a honeycut. I used to be Parker. So he got, ad- got adopted by him. Oh, and uh, I remember selling him one of our live videos one time, one of the shows we were playing. And uh, when it was done, I looked at him just to kind of see what he thought about it. And his response, I'll never forget it, dude. He was literally like, yeah. He says, well, when the Beatles came out, not a lot of people understood what they were about either. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, like, <laughs> You're like, what? Pretty where do, funny. Right. Where do I even begin? <laughs> Yeah, that's why I, I've just stopped explaining it to people like, you know, older people or any folks like that that are like, oh, well, what, do we, what do you do? And I hate telling them I'm in a band because they're like, oh, so you do nothing. You're worthless. And it's like, no, this is actually what I do for a living. I make money doing it. Like, this is, it may not be a career that you would want your son or daughter doing long term, but it's what I do. Yeah. And it's worked out okay so far. You know what I mean? Right. And so I just tell them I, I, I play music and they're like, oh, what kind? I always just tell them like, rock music just because fuck trying to explain that shit i'm and i'm not one of those people who's going to be overly hyped to explain to a 65 year old woman like oh shit you've never heard of like fucking you know casey strain you never heard of this shit and like try and expose them and learn them to a bunch of stuff they don't care and i don't care if they don't care you know what i mean it doesn't affect me either way so i'm really just kind of on the the down low most of the time in public as far as you know what i do for a living or this and that you know what i mean yeah no absolutely um, did you, uh, you know, as you were getting, you know, Pandora's box unlocked for the, you, uh, you know, did like, did you care about school? Were you like, w- what was kind of, I-, I know you said that you were obviously searching for something to kind of latch onto, but was there any sort of like, I guess, trajectory in regards to, all right, well, of course I'm going to go to college and then like, you know, I'm going to, you know, work at a factory or whatever the case may be. Like, was there any sort of, you know, life path like that set out for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, ended up doing this program my senior year of high school called the people to people's conference, which they picked one kid from like, I don't know if it was like every, like, I don't know what it was. It was like probably about, I'd say maybe 50 kids. There were kids from Ireland. There was a kid from like Korea. There was some kids from New York. I was the only one from Texas. 
and everybody kind of converged on uh, UCLA for two weeks to learn about art and learn about it. Basically, it was a ploy, I think, to get kids to come to UCLA. But um, I got to be a part of that program, and because of my – I did art all through school. I was art club president and shit. I got voted most likely to become a famous painter. Like, just all the, I was very art-driven in school. And so through that, I, I mean, I didn't end up going to UCLA, of course, but I went to the community college on a few art scholarships and was doing art at the college for fucking probably about half a semester, like maybe a full semester, flunking all my other classes because I didn't care about them. I was in the art room making shit, and that's whenever our band started playing more shows again, and we would do little weekend stuff, and eventually we were just kind of like, man, I was like, school fucking sucks. Like, I don't want to keep doing this shit, because my plan was to become an art teacher, and then I started thinking about it, and I was like, that's, what the hell, I don't want to do that. Like, why, like, it's, it's crazy sometimes how people can get ideas fixed in their mind, and you can, you can trail on those ideas for years without really breaking it down and analyzing, like, is this even a good idea? Is this something I really even want to fucking do long term? Which the same thing could absolutely be said about playing music. If you would have told me 10 years ago that this is where I'd be at playing music I'd be like go oh, fuck yourself dude I'm gonna have a, a job and a career and all this other shit and all this stuff and it's like buddy I got my truck I got my house and you know I fucking leave and I play music that's what I do and I don't mind it like it, it's it's an interesting life to be living and I always think about it in the sense that like you know I may not have gone to college for as long as I should have I may not have a you know a quote unquote like real career or anything like that as most people would view it but you know, my 20s have been completely dedicated to the road, to, you know, fucking breakdowns and mosh. And it's like, that's that's like, okay, life to be living. I don't complain about that at all. You know what I mean? Sure. Because everybody's got to pay their dues. If you want to live in this system under this kind of, you know, pressure, that's easy. The world will make you do that. So, you know, once this band's over, I, I'll have to kick it into high gear and get with the rest of society if I'm going to sustain my existence you know kind of thing so why not just fucking live it up while you got it and that's what i do i try to focus real hard on living in the moment not living in the future because living in the future can be dangerous because you're not enjoying everything that's happening around in front of you. you know i try and absorb it to the best of my ability because i'm really trying to be you know kind of proactive in the sense of i know this is going to end like i know every great thing kind of dissolves and you know when it does i don't want it to kick me in my mouth and be one of those guys that's real bitter or one of those guys that's stuck living you know 10 years in the past for the rest of his life because he, he can't let go you know i want to be able to enjoy it while i got it and absorb it so whenever it's time you know to put me in my grave with it i can be okay with it you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes too much sense. But. No, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying because it's like, yeah, there are, I, I mean, most of the uh, the attitude of people that, you know, pursue this creative lifestyle, especially from a band perspective, you know, they're of the age in which it's like, well, yeah, I only got one chance for this. It's not like I'm going to, you know, be 55 years old and all of a sudden decide to play in a, you know, a mosh core band or whatever. Uh, so it's like, yeah, the, the, the timing is right. The structure is right for me to try to do this because, you know, I don't have, um, you know, a lot of responsibilities hanging on me. So it's like, yeah, like, let's just focus on this and we'll, we'll ride this however long it may be. So I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, 
glad that made more sense than I thought it did. So no, 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 <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, so you know, and then I'm guessing, like you know, by you know, completely immersing yourself in kind of the the scene, as it were. Um, you know, when did the idea of because I presume Kubakon is not your first band, right? Or is it? Pretty much. Wow. I was in like one other band before it, but it was the same guys pretty much, and we just were like, oh, let's do this instead. Got it. See, I really haven't ever been in another band besides this one. Okay, got it, got it. Um, so I guess what, you know, usually, um, and maybe I'm just <laughs> reflecting this on myself, like, you know, I sang for a band for many years and I guess still technically do, but, uh, you know, I didn't play any other instruments, so it was kind of like, well, Ray you know, you can probably, you're like, you're loud. You could probably just yell, uh, did kind of the, uh, default for you fall into that same category of like, well, Matt, you know, you're cool, but I already play drums and like my friend plays guitar, uh, or was it completely, you know, not that experience for you? Well, I, yeah, I mean, the, the band that I was in before this one, I played drums and I wasn't good. Like I fucking sucked, but there was a time where we were all, and this was back in high school. We were all in the garage just jamming, and we would always, you know, end up getting bored because we weren't—we had no structure. Nothing was serious. We'd jam, and then somebody would be like, man, I want to go swim. So they'd go jump in the pool, and then whoever was left would just switch instruments and fuck around and do whatever. So um, I remember I, I had a—I was on the mic a couple times, and, I, you know, the, the guy that we had on vocals, I just, you know— I guess I don't want to sound like a dickhead, but like I just, I kind of surpassed him pretty hard and everybody knew it. They were like, man, this sounds a whole lot better than what we got, but he was a better drummer than me. So we ended up just kind of switching. And uh, that band ended up fucking breaking up. We probably played like two shows, three shows. I don't even remember. But then him on drums and the guitar player of that band were writing new music, which was Kublicon's first like EP. Like, I guess, like demo, like before even the early, early stuff. Like, this is stuff that is just on a few burned CDs that are floating around in Oklahoma and Texas. You know what I mean? But they wrote that stuff, and they were like, hey, man, like, you know, we need a vocalist. Do you want to do vocals? And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And so that's just kind of how it happened. Got it. And then I kind of took control of the situation as far as – because the two of them are – long gone so i'm the only one that's been there the whole time i guess you know yeah no that makes sense and were you um you know i i guess like as you started to kind of you know play shows were you know i did the expectations meet the reality like was it you know uh, i mean clearly you're still doing it so obviously they're you know you're excited about it but you know sometimes when you start to do the thing uh that you've watched happen before you uh it might not meet the expectations where you're just like oh this was a lot harder than I thought, or like I'd be more nervous or whatever, you know, did that, uh, any of those things happen for you? You're talking about in like the early days or? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe even, you know, as, as Kubacon started to, you know, get out more and tour and stuff like that. Uh, no, nah, I mean, as far as our, our band, I think, I mean, maybe, yeah, I don't really know, but I think it's pretty unique in the sense that none of us really planned anything. Everything has just kind of happened. Like, even still, when we get our tours, we're just like, oh, shit, yeah, that'd be cool. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we've never we've never had, like, a big, like, this is our plan, this is what needs to happen, this is fucking 2020, this is going to happen, yada, yada, this and that. Like, of course, we, we, we get all our tours in advance, and we, we put in for everything, and we, you know, get submitted for and jump, but it we just kind of keep going. Like, and I feel like that's helped 
ease a lot of the pressures that a lot of bands, you know, get that I feel like that we don't really deal with. It's just like, we're just kind of letting it happen. You know what I mean? And it's, it's proven successful over the years to just be like, yeah, man, just fucking shit's going to happen. How it's going to happen. Don't, don't force it. Cause when you force something, it, it can go 10 different ways besides the way you need it to go. And if you just kind of let it happen and you, you, you still maintain control, but you just kind of let up on the reins a little bit, you know, I feel like it just, it just gets you in a, in an easier way. And, uh, so yeah, no, we don't really, uh, get too nervous or stressed about like, Oh gosh, I wish this would happen or this or that. It's like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And it's because we did everything we needed to do to deserve it. Yeah. You know what I mean? To get to that spot. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, and there, you know, I, I know you've spoken about this, this publicly before as well in regards to, uh, you know, your mom going through, you know, depression and mental health issues and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, I know it's difficult to speak about, but, you know, walking in on your mom, uh, from a suicide attempt or, you know, she was planning on it and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I know you, <clears throat> I know you've brought that over to, uh, you know, your music as well. And you, you know, you've, you've kind of had some songs about that, um, I presume that, it, you know, so much of that, uh, you know, it, it had an effect on you, but you probably didn't have a uh, perspective on it until much later in regards to like, oh, I wasn't aware of how much, you know, my mom was struggling because she was keeping that from me because she wanted me to, you know, not be worried about her or whatever. Um, you know, I, I guess how did that realization kind of uh, come to you later? Um, was it just simply, you know, you getting older and kind of reflecting on that a little bit more? Yeah, it was just kind of growing up myself, you know, going through situations where I needed people to just kind of understand me a little bit. You know, it's kind of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes a little bit, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, with her situation, I remember even when I was a younger kid, she would always tell me that uh, parents can't put parent problems on kids' shoulders. You know what I mean? Because she always had a million problems, dude, and... Even when I was a little kid, there wasn't jack shit I could do, but I was always like, oh, what can I do, yada, yada, without realizing it's like, oh, well, we're, you know, X amount of dollars in debt, and, you know, we're not getting our child support this month and this and that. Like, shit, you can do nothing, kid. Like, there ain't fucking shit you can do. You know what I mean? Yep. Besides just be a kid. Go fuck off outside. You know what I mean? And that's what I did. And that's what she allowed me to basically, you know, have my childhood while she kind of, you know, had to hold up all the problems on her back on her own. And, you know, I look at it now and I'm like, God damn, like, you know, there, there really wasn't anything I could do, but like, Jesus, man, like props to her for doing that. You know, I would do the same thing if it were my kid, but, uh, yeah, as far as the, the realization and stuff like that, it's just taking time. It's taken growing up, you know, it's stuff that, you know, maybe parts of it two months ago, I still wouldn't even have got. You know, it's just, I feel like as you get older, if you're on a a natural kind of trajectory, you're going to unlock things in your life. You're going to see things differently. Events are going to happen. You know, things are going to be told to you or kind of, you know, dusted off where you can, you can really see shit from a different perspective. And, you know, being around kids now, because my friends are older and having kids and seeing how they parent and stuff like that, it, it really kind of opens my eyes to how how much she really did and how hard she really tried to be what she could, you know, with how little she had, you know, financially, physically, emotionally, you know. 
and that's some tough shit. And like I've said, you know, I didn't make it easy on her. I was a, I was a pretty shitty kid when it came to, you know, having an attitude and stuff like that. So it just kind of was what it was, but I just take it as all that can be done now is to just don't repeat the mistake. You know what I mean? Don't, if I ever have a kid, just do what I can, like give that kid the world, do, do whatever I can do to make sure that my mother's legacy and the things that she did teach me through her struggle weren't in vain, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the sentiment of you saying, you know, adults shouldn't put uh, adult problems on kids. I mean, that, that rings true. It's like, there are things, you know, you don't want to keep a kid in the dark, but at the same time, it's like, there are certain things that they clearly have no effect over, like, you know, whatever finances and stuff like that. So yeah, you, you want them to have their childhood and be unencumbered. So that's what your mom was doing. And, you know, you, you can appreciate that and articulate that now, which is important in that, you know, can, uh, you, you, you sharing your experience can impact, you know, a lot of people from that perspective. And that's really cool. Um, kind of looking at the, you know, the band and like you said, you know, over the past 10 years, you know, you guys have had the, you know, slow gradual climb to kind of where you're at now. Um, how, and you know, like you said, the, the focal point has never been, you know, it's like, Oh, let's, you know, get the most money or whatever, you know, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice position for you guys to be in now, but how does the business of music kind of affect you? Do you, I guess, enjoy working in it? I know you obviously have a team around you now, so there are more than one person kind of, uh, doing it. But um, how, how do you, I guess, kind of, uh, you know, deal with that? Because that's just a reality as the band, you know, kind of progresses and you start getting paid money for, you know, playing shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as for me, I view it as on a very like, I guess, like a very local mindset in the sense that what I do love about it, I, I love the venues we play. I love the promoters for the most part. I love the venue owners, you know, I love the people that, make everything possible and come out, you know, when it, it comes to the labels and, uh, I guess like the industry people and all the people that I'm supposed to shake hands with and supposed to want to get to know, like, I, I don't give a fuck about any of them, to be honest. Like I like a handful of them. I like our team. That's why they're our team. You know what I mean? But most of them, I'm, I don't, I'm not impressed with them and they're not impressed with me. And that's just kind of how it goes. You know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here. It's funny. Cause when we did warp tour, I had these fucking jack offs trying to tell me, I call man, like, you know, you, you should really get out there. And the word they kept using was network. And they're like, Oh, you need it. You really need, this guy's going to be here today. You really need to talk to him. Like he could like do so much for your band. This day. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. Tell him to come watch us at 410. Like if he wants something, sure, sure. like, I don't care, dude, I'm not going to sit here and fucking network and, get on my fucking knees for a bunch of people and show them that I ain't got no fucking spinal cord. Like that's, that's weak. That's stupid. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like I want the merit of what we create and what we display to everybody on the stage to be what swings you. If I got to talk to you outside of that and say the right things, then I'm saying the wrong shit. You know what I mean? And I just, I don't know. I've never been impressed with all this shit. Everybody's got such a fucking big dick in it. And they all think that, you know, it, it just so many people think they're so fucking cool. And like I said, maybe I'm a hypocrite. I mean, maybe I think I'm fucking too cool, but I just, it's, it, if you really step back and you really look at it, it, it's such an unimpressive situation in so many ways of just people stabbing each other in the back. People just, the politics of it, like 
stuff that if that's how y'all want to run y'all's game and it's working for y'all do it up. But that's not something I have to be a part of. That's not why I got into it. That's not why I signed up for this shit. You know what I mean? So I just kind of keep everybody at arm's length. Like we've had to meet several people over the years and I just, it's so hard to pretend like I give a fuck. And I feel like they can just read it on my face that I don't give a fuck. And it's just kind of just like, okay. You know what I mean? And I hate sounding bitter when I say that, but it's just, it's exhausting, dude. Like networking, like, dude, well, I'm not here to do that shit. Like I'm here to fucking the people that want to watch us. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to, you know, go groping everybody's balls trying to get a better opportunity. And I guarantee the people that do that, if they're susceptible to that, and they, 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 that's how they'll work their business. I was like, you could be yesterday's, you know, meal in like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't trust those people. Don't trust any of them. And I wouldn't trust you for telling me to network. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's got an agenda. And if you're so shamelessly pushing it and so shamelessly eager to just nibble on some cheese from somebody else, like, you know, I won't wash my back around you. And yeah. That's just kind of how I viewed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I told I totally get it. It's like there there are people who you know love the kind of the business of music and that whole aspect of it. Um, and you know those people like there's obviously a necessary need for those people, but you know not everybody is keyed into that. And you know that it's good that you recognize that in yourself because it would be uh, you know, really difficult for you if you were like, well, I, I have to do this. So like, I'm going to put on this, this mask of myself and yeah, that just wouldn't be, um, you know, that wouldn't be yeah, healthy for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I mean, tr- trying to do anything that doesn't come naturally is just, it's shitty, especially whenever you've, you, you've built your band's legacy, you know, the four of us on just being ourselves. That would be a complete mockery of everything that we've done for the last, you know, fucking 11, 12 years, however long it's been. And it's just one of those things. That's why I talk about balance a lot because the balance is incredibly important. Like everything that people hate, everything that I'm saying I dislike right now in this conversation that we're having, all these people that I don't like, they are so necessary in keeping the train moving. That's why I don't interfere, but I don't have to participate. You know what I mean? Just like folks like me who are doing our shit on our end of the, you know, situation uh, are important. That's kind of like, you know, the whole comparison of of there's there's two types of people. There's dancers and then dance floors, you know, and both of which use each other, but they're both completely opposite, but both completely necessary to each other. Some people are the dancers. Some people are the dance floors and you just got to kind of figure out which one you are and, you know, really kind of weaponize it and just be the best thing you could possibly be. Does that make sense? <clears throat> oh yeah, no, totally. I, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, the uh, last thing I wanted to hit on was the, uh, you know, the fact that it's funny because I've seen this, this statement kind of, you know, echoed in other interviews that you've done in regards to people being like, Oh, it's, you know, really, really heartening and cool to hear you speak about, you know, racism in your songs and stuff like that. And like not many bands do, you know, do that anymore. Um, you know, I I'm 39 years old, so I'm old by, by all stretches of the, you know, hardcore imagination, you know, people and bands have spoken about racism for many, many years within the context of punk and hardcore, especially. Um, and so, so it, you know, it, to me, it kind of bumps me out that the fact that 
these people who are interviewing you or whatever are like, oh, it's cool you're speaking about racism. And it's just like, well, yeah, that you know, it, it's not defeated yet. So, of course, people are going to speak about it. Um, you know, d- does that kind of is that weird for you to be, you know, have people either kind of say that to you or be like, oh, wow, it's really cool you're talking about that when, you know, I, I know that you are aware of the fact that, you know, other people speak about this. And clearly it's still an important issue to speak about, um, especially if, you know, you you personally have uh, things to contribute, like, you know, me as a whatever, uh, you know, a, a white male, like I, I don't have any room to talk about racism beyond the fact that I don't support it because I haven't <laughs> been marginalized yeah. as an individual. So I don't know. I, I know there's a lot no, of, th- there's sure. a lot of thoughts in there, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if the, any of that kind of uh, resonates with you. Well, here's the thing. And this is just my opinion. on If there's something that I fucking despise, it's, it's the idea that because you are a you know, white male, you must keep your mouth closed about something like that. That, And it's one of those things like there's a lot of social programming going on that's real wacky. You know what I mean? Where people, there's a lot of shaming going on and a lot of shit. And it is one of those things like just because, you know, you necessarily haven't been, you know, in the exact same shoes as somebody else does not mean you do not have an opinion. It does not mean that you don't have a valid opinion, you know? So I, I, people tell me that a lot because people will ask me about, you know, this very thing and be like, Oh, you know what, you know, you speak about racism and this and that, you know, well, me as a, uh, you know, a white male, I can't, I can't. And I'm like, no, you say whatever the hell you need to say like that. Once we start canceling out everybody's opinions and people feel like they can't speak about things, no matter what it is, that's when we're going to have fucking real problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not like getting on to you or anything. No, 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 that, no. But it's just, I just, yeah, that's that's something that that bugs me more than than racism itself is the fact sure. that I mean, that's racism to an extent, in my opinion, because it's one of those things like I don't view racism as just like everybody versus the minority. Racism is whenever anybody it's systematic. Gets, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. Tackled out for for being, you know, physically different as far as all that stuff, because I say physically, because like if you want to branch it down to to, uh, you know, me, most people, if they were to if they were to talk to me on the telephone, they were to hear me, they wouldn't know I looked the way I look. You know what I mean? Because I'm not. People ask me all the time, "Well, what are you?" And I tell them I'm a fucking American. Like <laughs> I know what you're asking, but I'm gonna tell you I'm an American because like that's what I am. And we gotta get over this shit. You know what I mean? It's not all about that stuff. And my view on racism has fluctuated drastically over the years because I have been at the receiving end and i've also witnessed the receiving end from other people you know i've I've witnessed like i said plenty of groups of people where you know there'll be one white guy in a group and then a bunch of you know people of color or whatnot and the white guy just oh i can't talk about that or like i just have to agree with everything it's just like no you fucking don't like nobody does like we got to fucking stop this shit because this is more dangerous than anything you know what i mean racism is never going to disappear as long as you got people that look different from each other it's a prejudice is always going to be there. You know what I mean? Everybody deep down in their core of their bones somewhere has had a prejudice that they have had to overcome. You know what I mean? That's human fucking nature. Yep. That's not, it, when people start to, to buy into this idea that there's a, there's, there's a perfect society and there's going to be these perfect people that are going to come after us, that they're never going to be prejudiced and never going to have any reason. It's bullshit, man. The best you can do is just fucking, like it's like working out a muscle. Like just work it out. Do better. Like just don't fucking 
let your prejudice get the best of you. Don't take it out on other people because you think uh, something's stupid. You know what I mean? And it's it's ridiculous. And it it just uh, it's it's the the fight that I feel like I used to really kind of fight as far as like racism was just like it it was very close minded. I was very just like us versus them kind of thing. And that's so detrimental. It's so close-minded, and it really doesn't do anything for anybody. I, I was having a talk with one of my friends a few tours back, and uh, shit, I forget. I think he's Puerto Rican. I'm not. I thought he was black. Was the thing. That's why we were talking about it. And he told me what his his actual nationality was, and I was like, damn, that's fucking crazy. And you know, we were talking about my, you know, the band's kind of older music and how I was kind of more foaming at the mouth when it came to a lot of that shit. And I was just telling him, I was like, dude, I was like, I've grown up a little bit. My fucking thinking has changed. And the, the thing that I think more than anything now is the most dangerous thing to minorities is a minority mindset. When you start to believe that you are, you know, when you start to see racism everywhere, you know, you, you, you really start to degrade yourself unintentionally. You know, when, if you think you're a minority, you are a minority. And that's why I'm saying the way I kind of just, I've tried to focus more on just like the world's not out to get me. Like if people don't like me cause they don't like me, fuck it. You know, and if there's people out there that truly are racist, because that's another thing, the term racism is just, it's thrown around and it's lost so much of its true meaning that so many people that use it, in my opinion, have never experienced true gut-wrenching, like soul-crushing racism. They've never experienced it. And I hope to fuck they never do. You know what I mean? But it's one of those things where, you know, if, if you start to really put yourself in the box that others want you to be in and be like, oh, well, I am a minority. Like I, I just, the world's harder for me. It's like a lot of these people, you know, your problems are your problems. You can, when you really look at it, the color of your skin, especially this day and age, we live in the most prosperous time for people of all races in this country to be getting along. And yet we still have problems. I'm not discrediting that. And I, I will say that for the rest of forever, we will have problems. We will never get rid of it. Things will get better, but there will always be problems. So to try and erase all problems is a, I think it's kind of a futile effort. You know what I mean? The best you can do is educate and not even so much educate everybody else. Fuck everybody else. There's going to be stupid people. Educate yourself. You know, that's one thing that I've said for a long time is the best thing I could do as a quote unquote minority to help anybody else's opinion of me is to just be a good person. Show them that there's nothing to be afraid of, that I'm not fucking different. They're not different. I'm not looking at them different or thinking, oh, this fucking white guy or this guy, you know, it's, it's not about that. And it's just, every year that goes by, the more angry I get with how things are, are going because we're, we're, it's just, we're losing sight of so much shit and everybody is so privileged now and everything is just, if, if everything becomes racism, then racism is extinct. You know what I mean? Because at that point it's lost its true grit and that's almost a blessing, but at the same time, you know, and I'm I'm going off on a big no, no. This is something that fucking fires me up. So I can't I can't keep going on it. But no, no, I yeah, no, I don't I, even know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, you you da you danced around it. But I mean, I think ultimately the um 
the core feeling and emotion that you have towards it, uh, you know, shows that you obviously have put thought into it. And uh, that's something that everybody needs to do. Uh, regardless of their, uh, you know, affiliation uh, racially. Uh, and I think it's one of those things that it's it's important. And the, the, the core of it is the fact that um, I, I just, it, it's weird when I see people be like, oh yeah, like, you know, people still talk about racism and it's just like, well, of course they do. Like, <laughs> because it's not like the problem is solved, you know? It's like that still needs to be expressed. No, no, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, and it, a, it's a good thing you think, are. Oh, yeah. And it's like you're saying, like, it's not solved. Like, I'm not sitting here being like, why is everybody freaking out about, like, of course there's fucking problems. There's always going to be problems. You know what I mean? But to sit here and, you know, I've heard so many people say, even in shows, like, oh, America's the most racist country in the whole world. Like, what the hell and all this shit. And I'm just like, look, buddy, like, you know, I, I get up there and say some shit, too. I'm not crazy about the police. I don't think that they treat, you know, minorities fairly, yada, yada, if that's what you want to get into, because that's where most people pull it from as far as our set nowadays. But I'm just like, you gotta, you gotta quit. Like the fact that, that you and I are having a conversation right now, you know, whoever that person may be is, is proof that, you know, things are not as bad as everybody thinks they are. You know, we're not living in one of these homogenous countries where everybody looks the fucking same. Like, of course there's going to be goddamn problems, man. Like human beings by nature are one generation away from being knuckle draggers. Like we're, we're products of our environment. You know what I mean? And this is a very colorful environment that we're all in and everybody's still trying to find their footing. So I feel like as long as everybody takes it a little bit more easy on each other and stops blaming each other, that everybody's the enemy and this and that, and you're the cause to all my problems. And it's just, it's just tough. And that's why, like I said, I mean, I have a lot of white friends and I, I advocate for them too. It's like, just cause they're white doesn't mean that, you know, they don't have a say if we're, if we're all going to be human beings in this situation, it's, fucking cliche as that sounds and i hate saying it because it sounds like some kumbaya stuff but it's like it's the reality of the situation if we're all going to get along and we're all going to get together we got to make things you know as not necessarily you know i guess as as open as they can be for people to speak on a platform you know what i mean yeah because if everybody has the ability to speak and everybody takes the initiative to listen then I feel like we can get more done than just like, no, you got to shut your mouth. And that's the solution. That's not a fucking solution. That's, that's, it's, it's just dangerous. That's all I'm getting at. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you're saying. So that was Matt. What a great conversation. Like I said, my expectations and preconceived notions were, completely thrown to the wind, and I loved having this conversation. You need to check out their most recent full length, which is called Absolute. came out on Rise Records last year, uh, late last year, I want to say, and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I enjoy all of their previous stuff as well. There's just an intelligent hardcore band, you know, even though maybe on the surface you might not think that, but they are. Trust me. So thank you very much, Matt, and thank you very much, uh, Tim, his publicist, for hooking this up and encouraging me to have this conversation. So... Next week, we have Will Putney, who plays a producer extraordinaire, and he also plays in a band called End and a band called Fit for an Autopsy, and uh, he's just a all-around good, very interesting human being because uh, I've only, you know, I, I toured with him uh, for maybe about a week, or no, actually maybe it was like four or five days. This was a couple years ago uh, with End, and, uh, you know, I got to know him a little bit, but then, you know, peeling away the layers of him as an individual during this conversation kind of blew my mind. So that's what we got next week, and like I always say, but I mean it even more so now, please be safe, everybody.